Hi, I'm Jay. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. Hey, kids. I know I don't look like one, um, but I am. I am. If I were to look at me, I would say not him. Not that guy. Not him. He, he looks, uh, he has teeth, you know, he has teeth. Uh, thank you, Paige, for asking me to share. It's a privilege and an honor. And I love you. You're so important in my life. <clears throat> thank you, Taylor. It was a wonderful pitch. Many lives were saved. Um, I love A, man. I, I just dig it. You know, just so I can get the numbers out of the way with you, just so you know where you stand with me. Um, I got 31 years. So if you have more time than me, you're better. Okay. Um, but if you have less time than me, listen up because school's in session and I just want to teach you a few things about how to stay sober. Ugh. Wouldn't it be great if that's the way AA actually worked, but it's not. Because I know people who have 40 years sober who I wouldn't send a sick cat to if they were a vet, period. And I know people who are probably 90 days sober in this meeting who are working a better program than I am. They're on fire for Alcoholics Anonymous. They're happy, joyous, and free. They're grateful that each day that they wake up, they're uh, sober, their head is clear, starting to see colors clearer, crisp edges a little bit clearer have hope that I just might be able to do this one day at a time for the rest of my life. That, uh, that feeling like we used to say when I got sober, that uh, we used to check the bumper in the morning of our cars when we woke up to see if there was blood on it, you know? And because uh, we just didn't remember how we even got home. And our just fear is that we would hurt somebody else. I'm not going to stop doing it, but I'm going to hurt somebody else. Now, now we just call the Uber driver, I guess, and just say, hey, you know, what happened last night? And, you know, where are my pants? You know, um, I, uh, I got sober in Fresno, so I'm sorry. Uh, it's where I'm from, you know, and I'm in L.A. now, and it's just really... I just feel like I owe you an apology and I'm sorry. Um, you know, cause in LA, you know, people say, hey, where are you from, man? I'm from New York, oh, New York city, man. What a great city. That's, that's the place right there. Where are you, where are you from? I'm from Chicago, a deep dish pizza brother, the mustard seed group. Oh yeah. Where are you from? I'm homegrown. I'm here in Los Angeles, Cowabunga dude. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Fresno. just rough. There's nothing you can say after that. Well, good for you for getting out, I guess. So I came here when I was uh, 20. I came here 31 years ago to become an actor. And uh, I've been in sales and marketing now for 31 years. And it's going pretty great. Um, till this virus thing happened. And I'm pretty sure it was directed at me. Um, welcome to the people in the recovery centers here. 
it's uh, sober livings and uh, RTCs. I'm glad you're here. You don't ever have to drink or use again if you don't want to. Uh, I I love people who are in early sobriety. I work with a lot of guys. I look. I work with a lot of new guys, and it's my favorite thing in the world. And the reason it's my favorite thing in the world is because this is a disease of uh, uh, recovery. is is about remembrance, about remembering what it was like. And when I when I hear you talk and where I hear where you're at, I, I want to be one of those voices that give you hope that it's gonna be okay and you're gonna be all right. I drank a lot, I, I drank a lot, I did a lot of drugs. Um, I hurt a lot of people. Um, if you were near me, I'm gonna hurt you. I don't mean to, I'm really, I swear to God, I'm a nice guy, man, but I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna hurt you physically, emotionally, spiritually, or financially. I'm expensive to love. And I had that kind of personality that people, uh, I have them around, uh, uh, have them laughing. Uh, I was inclusive. But when I got drunk, you know, you just didn't know what you were going to get. And uh, I robbed and, and I cheated and I lied. And I, it was like Robin Hood, you know, I, well, kind of like Robin Hood. I'd, you know, steal from the rich and then sell to the poor. So it wasn't exactly like Robin Hood, but it was close. Um, as long as I got some cash out of it. And I got sober when I was 20 and I'm 52 now. And uh, I did a lot of damage and I hurt a lot of people. And when Taylor talks about um, hurting her dad and um, him worrying about her while she was out, you know, I, I've been on that end of it too. And I don't wish that on my worst enemy. I just do not. And uh, I have no idea how long I talk for, but my wife says, you know, I talk too much. So if anybody will give me any timelines or something in the, in the chat, just so I know where I'm at, because I want to get into prenatal influences right now. Shoot for about 8.55, so that'd be 25 minutes. Or, oh, excuse me, 35 minutes. Perfect, okay, all right. So when I was in the womb, um, I knew that there were going to be problems. No, I'm kidding. And um, on January 7th, 1989, uh, my life was going pretty good. Um, I called central office in Fresno that day because I couldn't stop drinking. Um, and, I, and I called from the garage that I lived in in Fresno, and I lived in that garage for three and a half years. Um, I was uh, the assistant manager at Subway Sandwiches, uh, the big one on First McKinley, um, not one of the littler shops. It was one of the bigger ones, uh, a lot more tables and stuff, a lot, of, lot more work to do. Um, and I was the assistant manager, so I, I had, you know, clout. I was also the uh, homecoming king for Fresno City Community College. Um, maybe you heard about it. Um, I was also the actor of the year at Fresno City Community College for three years in a row at a two-year college. It's a true story. I just had so much going for me, you know. I was a real winner. And um, and my scorecards read zero like our 12 and 12 says. And I had nothing left in the tank. And I had just finished my last drink, which uh, was a half of, of a Michelob Dry. And um, 
uh, and Michelob Dry just came out and the commercials were very seductive. You know, they, they lure you in Michelob Dry, try the dry beer. And I had been getting in so much trouble with the wet beers that I thought I should try maybe the drier ones. And it's the same thing. And um, the night before I had drank three pints of Southern Comfort. And so I called central office and they put me on hold. Rude. And then um, they finally got me to a meeting that night. And... Uh, and I walked in and the guy came up to me and he goes, can you read how it works? And I go, yeah, can you? And he goes, well, I'm asking you to do it. And I said, well, all right then, dude. Like, let's go. Like he was calling me out to a, like a duel or something. And, and I took it out of the room and I proofread it a bunch of times to make sure the reading went well. And uh, it's, it's pretty funny. They were looking for the format. <laughs> new kid with a fucking mullet took it out of the room to proofread so he wouldn't look bad in his first AA meeting and um and i was studying iambic pentameter at uh, fresno city community college which is shakespeare so i was a men's stag there were 14 men in the room they were all toothless tattooed deer hunters and um I read it like this, how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. All the way through, I read it like that. Guys were literally doing this. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what's happening? So I started adding shit, because I mean, wouldn't you? Because they weren't getting it. They're simpletons. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. That's why I'm here, right, buddy? How about you, man? But hey, at least we're here, right? Hey, hey. And then you throw your gang signs. Hey. They didn't like that either. They're judgmental people. And then once the show was over, the meeting started. And these guys just started sharing from their hearts, like really real, like really authentic. Like I was nodding my head up and down immediately. I was going, yeah, yeah, man, I, I feel like I feel like that. Another guy shared, boy, that was. That was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. And I immediately felt like I wanted in. You did it perfect, AA. You, you got me just by being you, man. And I had my hand up and you guys weren't calling on me because of the how it works thing. Like, no, nah, you had your shot and you fucking blew it, kid. You had one shot and you blew it. In fact, I don't think we're ever going to call on you again. In fact, we're not going to have you read anything. That's for damn sure. Jesus Christ. Um, so I interrupted the meeting. I said, hey, I've had my hand up for a while, and you keep calling on some of these other guys. And they, they put their hands up after me. So I'm kind of keeping track of when the hands went up around here. So, you know, hey. And they go, uh, 
And the guy that was running, his name was Rick T. Rick T. He had three years. He was my grand sponsor. And he goes, yeah, go ahead, kid. And he called me kid. And that was bullshit because I was 20. And I had a whole speech written up in my mind of that I was going to share with you so I could, you know, win you over. So he would like me. That was my first drug of choice was your approval. Always. I knew you didn't like me. I could tell. I was just trying to get you to like me. That stuff doesn't work in AA. Just doesn't work here. And I said, I'm Jay, I'm an alcoholic. And when I read how it works, I didn't say it because I didn't know that's what you say. But then after people shared, I saw how they chimed in. I had a whole speech written and I just heard it echo in my head. You're an alcoholic, Jay, you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. Yeah, you're an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. That's what it is. I'm an alcoholic. And that speech that I had in my head, I just made a snap decision like you better not tell it. You better not do some canned bullshit pitch to try to win them over. Tell the truth. You fucking liar. Tell the truth or you're going to twist in the wind. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. And I just said, my dad used to beat me when I was a kid. And all the men in the room just kind of like, listen. And I said, and I got in a fight with him two nights ago. I drank three pints of Southern Comfort and my knuckles are bloody and we really got into it. Except I haven't seen him in three years. It was just me punching the walls. I see things when I try to stop drinking. I hallucinate. My mom is trying to control me. My girlfriend and I think we lovingly hate each other. And when I was done sharing, the energy of the room changed. I felt God flow into the room. I was lifted up. All these people in the room focused completely on me. Everything in that room, I saw it happen. I saw the hands slowly go up around the room. And guys started directly sharing at me. Like, boy, Jay, you talked about your dad, man. I can relate, man. You just keep coming back. You're in the right place. Another guy said, boy, you talked about your mom controlling you, man. Mine too. Mine too. But if you make it to midnight tonight without a drink, you're a winner in our books. Okay, Jay? Another guy talked... But, you know, you talk about your, your, your girlfriend, boy, women, huh? Yeah, and all the guys are going, yeah, women, you got a woman? Yeah, I ain't got one, but I'm going to get one. You know, there's a girl at the Thursday night meeting I've been eyeballing for nine years. I'm going to ask her out. You know. And uh, they, they asked me at the end of the meeting, they said, can you make it to the next meeting without a drink? And I said, when's the next meeting? And they says tomorrow night at 7.30. And this is what I said to him, if you're new in the room. I said, yes, I can. Yes, I can. 
I can make it till to tomorrow night's meeting without a drink. No one had ever asked me like that. No one had ever said, you don't ever have to drink again if you don't want to. So you guys that are in these centers and stuff, don't get stuck in the cycle. You can get out. It's all up to you. You can do it. The fact that you're here is powerful. It's fucking awesome. I've had two kids go out of that system for four and a half years. And they just asked me, can you make it to the next meeting without a drink? And I said, yeah. It's how simple it is, because here's the thing. I don't want to drink or use anymore. If we asked Karen, where were you one year ago today? Her story would be very different than where she's at today. And that's powerful. So I came back the next night and they added women, which was a real plus for me. Because the first night was just men, so I just didn't know women were alcoholics. But the next night, I guess they are. And, uh, and I need, I like women. I do love women. They were Fresno women, but I'll take it. And, um, and the meeting was softer, gentler, kinder. Many, many of my friends in my life and my sobriety, my wife and I were married in Venice, Italy. My best friend who's a woman that used to be in AA was there. Taylor's a good friend of mine. She's, she's a lady. You know, my friend Lily's here. I see one of my friends, Sasha, I saw in the meeting earlier. I have a lot of good people in my life that are women and I appreciate that. My daughter and I are close. And I like that. I like that there's men's stags and I like that there's, you know, big book studies and step studies. So I started going to all these meetings and I started learning. And it was hard in the beginning. And this is why it was hard for me because I'm genuinely a lonely person. I'm genuinely scared of social interaction and I don't know why. I used to go to keggers all the time in high school. I mean, I was, I was popular, I was homecoming king, I was all that shit, but I was terrified. So we'd have these keggers out in the country. I would have to get drunk before I went to go to a drinking party. I would have to walk into the party loaded, just would, just made it easier. So guess what? I was loaded all the time. I was high all the time. I had to be. And then when I got sober, I don't know how to talk to you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. What do I say after how are you? How do I care? How are you? I'm so used to telling you about all my problems, not caring about you at all, and then moving on. I never said I was sorry to one person before I got sober, and here's why. Because I wasn't sorry. I never admitted I was wrong, because I was never wrong. One time I thought I was wrong, and then I, I thought about it, and I was wrong. I wasn't wrong. You know, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. And I'll spend the whole night trying to prove to you that you're wrong just so I can be right, because I'm not okay. And AA and the 12 steps kind of check that shit at the door. Really, you don't have a part in that? Hmm, interesting. So 
I'd go and I'd sit in these meetings and I'd sit in the back of the room and hope that somebody comes up to me, but please don't come up to me. These are, they're all talking to each other. What a click this place is. This is places a total click. And then when somebody comes up and talks to me, I'm like, ah, I have four days, you know, get away from me, but don't leave. Just sit over there right next to me, you know, and move away and talk to me every now and then, you know, but don't say anything, you know. And if you're new, I get that. If I could just treat everybody in the world like I treat the people in Alcoholics Anonymous, the world would be a better place. I am at my best when I'm with you. I am the most loving, the kindest, the, less, the least judgmental. Everyone gets a pass in Alcoholics Anonymous with me because uh, I just know that what it takes for us to get here. And when I think about judging somebody in Alcoholics Anonymous, all I gotta do is go back to a couple of doozies on my fourth step. Just all I gotta do, like go to your doozy right now, if you will, just talk amongst yourselves. That one doozy. And then I go, you know what? I'm gonna lighten up on you immediately. <laughs> Cause I got, no, I got no reason to ever judge anyone ever again for the rest of my life. I've been given grace and forgiveness and I'm lucky for it. I should have been dead a long time ago. So about five and a half years sober, my higher power left me for another guy, okay? I didn't know she was my higher power. She was just a girl I didn't like that I stayed with for a year and a half because I loved her so much while I was, you know, we were busy ripping each other to shreds. And I didn't want to be with her, but I didn't want her to leave, you know? And I didn't want her to be with anybody else that's what true love is um and she left me for a guy who was going to open a cell phone store and i told her and i did say this to her i said cell phones are never going to make it they're too big they're too expensive nobody's going to pay three dollars a minute for phones it's just not going to happen and um i think they're gonna i would put money into phone booths like more cooler phone booths I was, I was wrong. Hold on, let me just check something real quick. Okay. And I fell apart. I was going to a ton of meetings. I was sponsoring 11 guys. I was going to about 11 meetings a week. I had a loving relationship with my higher power. I was great relationship with my sponsor. I was making good money in business. I thought I was doing really well. And when she left, everybody who ever left me left again. And I fell completely apart. And I fell into a deep, dark cavern that I couldn't get myself out of. Uh, and uh, my sponsor, Jim Miller, who just turned uh, 59 years sober uh, last month, said, hey, why don't you write a letter to your dad? And, um, and we'll just, you just read it to me. And I said, but I have a problem with the girl. And he goes, yeah, I know, I know. But uh, write the letter and you have a filthy mouth. Write it with your filthy mouth. He was a minister and I, I swear a lot um, because it's a sign of uh, intelligence. Uh, I read that on Facebook, so it's true. And um, 
so I wrote the letter and the letter went something like this. Dad, you son of a bitch. I hate your fucking guts. You left when I was seven and a half or when I was seven, you said you'd come back. You never came back. You never paid child support. You never sent me a birthday card. You never sent me a Christmas card. All those games all, that I played, all those sports I did, all those extracurricular activities, you, you made me feel so stupid because I'd look on the sidelines and everybody else would have a dad there, but I didn't. And I hate you for the fact that you said I could come swimming one day at your apartment and you left me standing outside with my towel all day and you never showed up. You made me feel stupid and dumb and fuck you. And I read it to my sponsor and, and he goes, oh, that was really good. And I felt like I had just had a baby, you know, because men can really know what that feels like. And he said, you left something out. And he said, I want you to add this to the bottom of it. And I said, okay. He said, and with all of that, dad, I still love you. So I wrote that because it was true. And I've been waiting by the phone all these years, dad, for you to call me. And today I'm gonna to stop waiting and you're free now, dad. And I wrote that. And that was the day that I grew up in Alcoholics Anonymous. I was five and a half years sober. I was 25 and a half years old. I stopped putting women in my life that were unavailable to love me. I stopped putting friends in my life that were unavailable to give me time. And kept stop I got out of the fixing business I stopped trying to take broken wing girls and fix them up and make them just right so I could be the hero. And I started working on me a little bit more. At seven and a half years sober, I realized I'm probably going to be one of these old farts in AA. You know, I'm going to have the, the chains with all the chips hanging on them where you hear me coming around the corner, clank, 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 a leather bound big book, you know, big, big belly you know, with stains on the top of the, where the drippings come, you know, cause it's like a flavor saver. And you walk around and, you know, and people go, who's that? That's Jay. He's the sponsor. He's got the word that everywhere in the big book memorized backwards. Oh, really? Hey, Jay, where does it talk about intimacy in the big book? Well, that's page 67, Sally Sue, on third paragraph, fourth sentence. And Jay, the sponsor, goes home alone every night and write. And I didn't want that. I thought I was going to be one of these guys who were, you know, 45 years sober and loves AA, but never knew how to have a relationship. So I talked to my sponsor about it. And it's not coming from a judgmental place. I'm just assessing a situation. And, um, but I was afraid it was going to be me. And I didn't want that. So I asked my sponsor what to do. And he goes, well, stop talking to single guys on how to get into a relationship. Stop that immediately. Because your single guy friends are going, hey, man, you know what you got to do? You got to 
you know, if you want to grow in your life, you got to shove her around a little bit, you know, don't return her call right away, man, make a come to you, dude, you know, like, and to be honest with you, I'm not that kind of a guy that would ever treat a woman like that. Um, he said, start talking to married couples. Start talking to married couples, start asking them how they did it. You know, just like if you're new in Alcoholics Anonymous, start talking to some of these sober cats around here and how, how do you do it? How do you go to work every day? How do you deal with your coworkers? How do you deal with your mom? Why, are, why am I not sleeping at night? How come I'm not sleeping and I can't get to sleep? How come I'm having these vivid drunk and using dreams? What's going on here? Because the people in these rooms will tell you their experience and it'll be helpful. So I did that with relationships. So I talked to all three of the couples in Alcoholics Anonymous that are actually married in worldwide. Uh, there's only three of them. And um, the literature in Alcoholics Anonymous says we lack the ability to form a true partnership with another human being. And I already knew that was true for me. And I'll tell you why I, I knew that I would never have love because I know there's something really wrong with me. I know that I am fucked up beyond help in that area that there's something deeply wrong with me and I will never, ever, ever be able to have love in my life because I'm defective and I'm broken now. I'm so grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll make millions of dollars. I'll do really well in business. I'll help lots of people stay sober. I'll do well with God, but in love, I will be lost for sure. And I started uh, changing that. I started changing that dialogue. And I started talking to married couples and I started following their direction on how they did it. So I dated this girl and her name was Jamie. And we went to this place called La Cana Veneta in West Hollywood. It's a five-star restaurant. It's got a wine list that thick. We walk in and I knew the Mater D guy. I said, how do I know you? And he said, I don't know, but I know you too. I said, do you work out at Easton Gym? He said, no. I said, do you hang out at the Third Street Promenade, Santa Monica? He goes, no. He says, are you a friend of Bill W's? I said, yes, yes, that's it. Um, I said, what's your name? He goes, Bill. I said, hey, Bill, I'm Jay. Nice to meet you. This is Jamie. And he sat us down. He was our food service. He says, what can I get you guys? What can I get you guys to drink? We have water. Bubbly, no bubbly. We have sodas. Juice, juices. And she goes, I'll have a glass of Merlot. And he goes, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he looked over at me. Are you in or are you out? Because I don't give a shit. And I said, uh, I'll have your uh, Diet Coke 96. And he goes, got it. And he left. And she leans in and she goes, all right, how do you know that guy? I said, we have mutual friends. And that's a good one for you newcomers. Because we're going to run into you somewhere out in public. Okay. And, we're, and we have no boundaries. And you'll be on a date or something. And uh, and, you know, somebody's going to come up to you and go, hey, man, how you doing, dude? You going to a meeting tonight? I just got out, man. Got the test results back. Negatory. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, can you can, can you help me out with a letter to the courts? You know, you know. Hey, who's the girl, man? Nice. Hey, hey. <laughs> you guys speak French, man. Now it's H-O-L. I'm just kidding. Uh, no boundaries. Zero. And she goes, no, no it's uh you guys don't know each other from mutual friends it sounded like you didn't know each other at all and then there was some code thing i'm are you a friend of bill w's wink wink what i don't even understand what was that and she confronted it and i said okay 
And I just gotten to the point in my sobriety where I stopped reading my fourth step on the first few dates. You know, here's the things to watch out for. Look, my dad used to beat me when I was a kid. I know the odds are that I'm probably going to beat you too, but I'm not. I got to tell you, I still get pretty fucking mad sometimes. I will tell you that. But I, I've got a lot of therapy, a lot of therapy. I'm doing so good now. Um, oh, and also my dad left when I was a kid. You know, I just want you to know that. I've had a lot of abandonment issues. But uh, where are you going? Are you going to the bathroom? You want me to go with you? Because I'm all better now. Oh, also I'm in AA. So just to clear the air, I'm one of those. So if you have a problem with 12-step people, you're just going to have to get over it because it is number one in my life. It comes before everything. Okay, so let's start with the crab cakes, shall we? You know, so I stopped doing all that shit because I could never get a second date. And I needed a second date. I was about as celibate as you could get. And, um, and she said, how do you know? I said, I know the guy from Alcoholics Anonymous. She goes, oh, so you're in AA. And I said, I am. And she goes, it's our third date. Why haven't you told me that? And I go, because I really like you a lot. And I said, I'm, it's a really important thing in my life, but I'm just trying to get to know you. And uh, I haven't had great luck in relationships and I want to meet somebody and I, I'd like to have love in my life, but I haven't done it real great. So I'm just trying to do it different. I'm trying to get to know people. I'm trying to get to know you slower, you know? And she goes, are you ashamed of it? And I said, actually, no, I'm not. I said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life, to be honest with you. If I wasn't seven and a half years sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, there is no way that I would be on a date with a lady like you. That's for sure. That's a get laid line right there. That is a that is a guys write that shit down, please. That is a guy, but I didn't. That was another thing is these married couple said, stop sleeping with people right away. And I mean, I'd meet a girl at a coffee shop and we'd sleep together. And the next thing you know, we're buying furniture and cats. And that's true. Like literally immediately we're moving in with each other and then, you know, restraining orders. Because that's what true love is. And and I just want to say this, that the, re, the fact that I did that differently, that I could see that that love was something that I wanted is the reason that that woman and I have been together for 24 years now. That woman is my wife, Jamie, and I'm Jay, and we have a 20-year-old son named Julian. We have an 18-year-old son, Jaden, and we have a 13-year-old daughter, Josie. And we're the J5. I wanted a family. Between my wife's parents and my parents, there's 14 divorces. 14. So the odds are that neither her nor I would ever work out. I haven't held hands with another woman since my first date with my wife. I haven't been with any woman physically. Emotionally, I'm a wreck. I will tell you that. But there's nothing I'm doing in my life today that I can't sit down and talk with my wife and my daughter about. 
And it hasn't always been that way in my sobriety. I'm really proud of the fact that I've been able to stay sober for this amount of time and go through all these growing pains. Last four and a half years have been hell with my two sons. My sons got into drugs and alcohol. Uh, we had a beautiful kind of like a Sears and Roebuck photo family album. You know, we're all wearing the same shirts and shit like that, looking all dorky with our hair combed, not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, on May 6th, 2019, I was walking by the bathroom and my 16 year old son, I knocked on the door and he didn't answer. And I broke the door off the hinges and he was on the ground and he was dying uh, from a fentanyl overdose. He was purple, his face was purple. He wasn't breathing, his gums were purple. I got on top of him and I started doing CPR from what the guy at 911 was telling me to do. I was whispering in his ear, please, Jaden, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please, please, please don't leave me. I had no idea he was using. And firemen came and they dragged him out of the bathroom and they gave him Narcan, it didn't work. They shot him in the side of the neck with Narcan and he came to in the ambulance and he was two minutes from dead. He's alive and just August 7th, he just celebrated one year clean and sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. My other son, Julian, has been in and out. He struggles with everything. He just celebrated five and a half months. He just got, uh, he doesn't have any place to live right now. The sober living that he was out, you know, um, needed the bed and they were scholarshiping him. So he's, he's at home right now and it's been a little rough, but, um, He's at a meeting right now that my son, my other son is the secretary of a Pills Anonymous meeting. That's what a lot of these young people are doing. They're dying in droves. Pej knows that. A lot of these guys know that. It's dangerous. They don't identify with alcohol because they don't drink alcohol. So eventually we're going to have to talk about it. And uh, they're both sober. And I came to you. There's one meeting I was just, I just begged with you. I said, I've never ever asked anybody to pray for my family, but I'm asking you, please pray for my family. His name is Julian. His name's Jaden. Can you please just say their names, please? And I almost fell out of my chair. And the only thing I've done right is not drink or use. And I've never lied to you folks. I've never lied to you in an AA meeting. I've never embellished a story. I've never twisted anything. I don't sit around gossiping about you. And you've always come through for me. If I would have made the deal. And by the way, if you're new, drinking and using was never an option. Ever. Ever a thought. And it's not because my sobriety is so strong. It's because I have other ways to destroy my life other than drugs and alcohol. You know, I don't need drugs and alcohol. I can do it with pride, greed, lust, gluttony, sloth, envy, cookies. Right now, I'm, I'm vegan right now. So there's these vegan cookies. I, I ate a bag a night. I ate a bag before this meeting. And you know what? I fucking feel fine about it. Um, if on January 7th, 1989, I would have come home from that first AA meeting and I would have said, uh, God, 
And I prayed to God that night. I, was, I went to my great grandmother's kitchen. She wasn't there. And I kneeled in her kitchen and I prayed. And I said, God, please let what happened in that meeting be real. Because I need that. I like the way I feel right now. And they just gave me hope that I might be able to stop. And I'm going to not stay. I'm not going to drink or use until tomorrow. At the meeting, but it better be real. You better not be fucking with me. You better not be lying to me. It better be real. And if God would have came back to me and said, okay, Jay, here's the deal. I will keep you clean and sober. I'll take away your number one problem. And I'll give you something to replace it with. But here's the deal. 30 years from now, you're going to have a family. And you're going to have two sons that are going to be suffering. And I'm going to need a sober dad and a sober husband to protect that family. I need to know if you're the guy. Will you take the deal? I would have said, is my wife hot? God would have said, yes, your wife is smoking hot. I said, well, that helps. I said, is the pain going to be like the pain that I'm feeling right now? And God would have said, it's going to be 10 times worse. Because right now you don't love anything. And you're going to love your kids more than you've ever loved anything. And I said, I'll take the deal. Because I'll be able to handle it. So now what I'm doing is I'm dealing with all of my trauma and stuff with you. I come to these meetings, my third meeting today. I come here and I tell you what's going on and I don't lie to you. And you've done nothing but come through for me. Like, what do I owe you? What do I owe you for what you've done for me? That I come to a few meetings, that I clean coffee mugs, I sponsor a few guys. Fact is, is I'm never ever gonna be able to pay you back for what you've given to me. I'm in debt up to here. And the more I give, the more I get. So I go deeper into debt. So now I'm just making payments, man. All that I have, all that I am, all that I hope to be, I got here. 31 years, 10 months, and one day ago today. Thank you so much for loving me. And thank you for having me.